I mean, we can tell shit from Shinola. It's just that we don't always prefer Shinola. I know people who say DMT is their most favorite drug. It only lasted four minutes. They're still processing. It's a kind of unwillingness to go it alone. Welcome back to the DMT World Podcast. My name is Alex8721, and today we have on The Rev, a.k.a. Rian. Rian is a co-founder of the Here to Help app. He's the host of the Reincarnation Podcast, and as well as a community member at dmtworld.net. Along with the app and podcast, Rian has studied dialogue, sustainable development, and has always attempted to weave in psychedelics and cannabis into his coursework. He's also spent some time in the cannabis industry helping people through different ailments. I mean, he's overall a pretty cool dude. Uh, we had a great conversation today. If you're feeling generous and would like to show support to the community, please feel free to go to patreon.com forward slash DMT world with monthly donations starting at one, two and five dollars. You can upgrade your account to be able to create groups on the site, post in the marketplace and be able to direct message to admins and staff via discord. Thank you for being here with us. Hope you're enjoying your time. And from all the staff and admins, thank you for the support and keeping our community alive and well. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you. like this salamander that has the option of never developing into its mature form and to my mind that's a tragedy because this is our birthright and Rian thanks for uh coming on here man thank you for uh spending some time with us uh, to get to know you a little better yeah, man, it's really great actually being on here. I haven't been on many other podcasts besides hosting my own, so it's really nice to actually be on somebody else's show for a change. Yeah, this is a little bit of a different thing. I mean, it's not technically my podcast, but obviously I, you hear me the most here, but it, it'll change as well as, as time goes by. But um, I know um, uh, we came across each other on DMT World, and um, I know you were posting some stuff about the podcast that you had, and I'd love to get to that, but... Um, before that, if, if you don't mind, if we can just kind of get a little bit of a backstory of kind of who you are, where you're coming from or, you know, how you got here and so forth, and then uh, get the get the whole thing rolling there. Yeah, um, I feel like because this is a psychedelic related podcast, it's cool to kind of go back to like, I, I guess like. Uh, it, it's interesting with this stuff because like, what are, what are the things that ever makes somebody actually get into this stuff in a way that they want to explore it as like a legitimate um, field of inquiry or study rather than it just being like drugs or whatever. Um, so when I was younger, I was like raised Catholic for a lot of my life until I was in high school kind of thing. Uh, and then everyone goes through that like questioning process, I guess, when they go to public school and that kind of thing. So um ended up kind of like shedding or whatever a lot of those um beliefs or or just kind of expanding upon the restrictions of like the catholic church or whatever um and then went to university had a crazy back injury during the middle of it that um 
stopped me from walking for a few months and um, I couldn't go to school for about a year and a half. I couldn't work for about a year and a half. Um, like it was like L4-5 sciatic problem from a ruptured disc. Um, I did one of those like tough mutter half marathon things with all the obstacles in it after getting 10 pounds in Mexico without <laughs> training it or anything like that. Um, so, you know, dog, huh? yeah, exactly. So I just did the half marathon like a champ <laughs> and then realized that trying to do that kind of thing is actually a great way to, um, mess up <laughs> your life in some ways. Um, but in that like year and a half of not going to school and being in like pain every day, a lot of the time, just, um, like laying in my bed, especially during like the, like maybe the two months or so that I couldn't really walk well. Um, and I had never used any kind of, um, drugs except like alcohol a little bit when I was in high school. Um, cause you know, that's the mainstream accepted thing that people are using for the most part, even when they're not supposed to be. <laughs> um, so I had that injury and I'm in bed all the time. And I it started, I had a little bit of a problem, I guess, with alcohol. I don't want to say like I was an alcoholic, um, but I definitely had a negative tendency from just trying to, I don't know, it's almost self-medicate because I wasn't feeling good. I was depressed, just laying in bed. I, I don't have the ability to do what I used to be able to to in my life is when you have the momentum of doing the same things and then suddenly like you can't walk. Um, I'm like, now I'm really grateful for that opportunity because it was the first time ever that I had that, like the hamster wheel of momentum kind of that everybody has. It stopped and I was forced for that to stop. And I think luckily that happened to me that I was able to force a stop, re like look at my life and figure out like what I wanted for myself, really what were my motivations for the actions or whatever that I was taking, what I was doing in university. Um, and it, yeah, it gave me that ability to reassess. And I find that like most people in their life, unless they're forced like I was to have that kind of situation, it's really difficult for someone to just decide to like change their life, change their actions because they're running on the patterns that get them where they are. Um, so part of my patterns, I guess, was kind of like I, I wasn't using drugs except alcohol or whatever, but I was kind of open to some of them. And I got into cannabis during that time and then started using it as uh, the way that I would learn how to walk again. So I slowly stopped taking the pain kills. It wasn't like opioids or anything. It was just like a lot of Tylenol, a lot of Advil, but I was drinking also. So I was just really worried about um, like my liver, like just my body. Cause I know that it wasn't great. Um, but then I would start like, and I had a severe limp, like I, I had to walk with like almost like a cane or a crutch for a while. But then with cannabis, it's like I would force myself to go on a walk as far as I could, um, like to the limit of my pain and then like smoke a joint and like when I had really low tolerance and then force myself to walk back with less and less of a limp. So I was giving myself like interesting, almost physiotherapy, just like in, innately with cannabis. Um, but as I was going through this pain and stuff and I'm still kind of depressed. So it was helping with like the pain. Um, but with pain and with these kind of things, it's like, there's still a level of mind. I think that holds chronic pain to some degree. Like I'm sure there's always reasons outside of it, but part of the healing is in, I think the mind and what's trying to be taught to you. So in this depression, I, I like what some of my friends, uh, would do like mushrooms and stuff every now and then. So I, um, 
I had nothing better to do kind of thing. So I, and, and I had done a project in grade 10, uh, in, in, in English or not in English in grade 10, sorry, there's a, there, there was a class called planning. It's probably called like careers in life or something now in Canada. And it's like career prep and it does like sex ed and it does yeah. all this stuff. Like home and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and all that kind of stuff. And of course there's like the sex ed, like abstinence talk or whatever they, exactly, they yeah. do for people. And then there was the drug one, but it was interesting where instead of like someone coming in from like dare or whatever it was and saying how bad drugs were, it was everyone had a drug that they had to research. Um, and find the positives and negatives about, which was kind of weird. And instead of like presenting to the whole class so that a teacher could judge the information or whatever that you got, you just had to present to like two other people in the class. And I ended up doing a project on magic mushrooms and I couldn't find really anything at all bad about (laughs) it, except like maybe if you have some severe mental health issues or like schizophrenia and stuff like that, like, and even that conversation now there's, there, there's nuance around that and understanding that this might have you. So so yeah, I couldn't find that much bad. I, like maybe it can hurt your stomach if you use it too much and all these kind of things. So, and I was like, Hey, then if this isn't that bad, then maybe eventually I'll do it. Or there's other things that were kind of maybe um, like the government isn't being honest about in terms of like what these things are in themselves. So I was just interested in really finding out what these actually were. Um, so after like my first mushroom trip, I had no pain in my back at all through that experience. And I was like, after okay, the, there's something after the trip during the trip during, like okay. I, I had, I could walk with no limp. Um, I could straighten my leg without my sciatic nerve firing all the way down to my ankle. What kind of a dose was it? Was it like a lower, like a micro dose? Was it, it was a yeah. uh, two and a half grand. No, okay. I want to say like two or two and a half grams. And it's then like a, a little bit. In, I would say like, yeah, it's kind of like the beginning of where the visuals would kind of get in, but you're yeah. still like really in reality. It's a mini um, macro dose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I call that, I could, in terms of like the journeying doses, it's the lower side of where it's the, the journey would start. Dose. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it was kind of like, it was amazing. And, I, cool, and everything man. just felt peaceful. And finally my mind nice. felt relaxed. Um, and I just felt like there's something more to this. So I started kind of using it every, uh, kind of like waiting for the tolerance to reset would do it every three weeks. And my mind just kind of like healed through the use through getting into meditation at the same time. Um, yeah. So that was kind of the process of getting into like psychedelics specifically, um, which took me back to university, changed my major into something that wasn't instead of just going to school and like, Oh sure. I'll do world literature or whatever. It was like, how can I actually now engage in university to a find like the, the benefits that I've found in psychedelics and stuff and actually look into that academically, but also how can these and other ideas actually be used for the benefit of the world because of the kind of crises and stuff we're finding ourselves in. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I, I re-engaged into university for more like, like how can I help the world situation rather than like, Oh, I guess I can get go on the momentum of being good at English in high school. So I went into like sustainable development and and all those kind of things. So what did you end up going back for? Like specifically, Uh, or did you just kind of take a bunch of different things? Originally it was going to be like environmental science. And then because I was (laughs) sitting in my bed after having done psychedelics and thinking like, how can I kind of give back or whatever? And I thought, Oh, like environmental science, I can like save the world through the (laughs) environment. Um, which is like, like a good intention, but also like is still limited. It's kind of like the, I'm going to save the world by doing this, this action of the environment. Um, 
So I started kind of going through that and geography and then a little bit into it. Like I did a dialogue program where you do, it was like a full-time dialogue course um, probably the, like the best part of my university career where instead of going to lectures every day, it's like there, there were like the 20 people in the program from it's interdisciplinary. So it's um, political science. It'd be people in sciences. It's be me who was in, uh, I think at that time I was still in environmental science. It'd be people from yeah, every, every different discipline. And you sit in a circle, kind of like hippie sounding, um, sit in a circle and you talk, but it's like, you're still talking about, academic things, issues that are facing the world and stuff, but it would be like, they would bring in a, a person from the downtown East side in Vancouver, where we have like, I think the biggest, um, centralized like drug and homeless and overdose problem in the world right now. And, um, so like somebody from like a, a specific community service or something like that would come in, they would do like a small 10 minute, like, Hey, this is what I am. This is kind of like my, my specialty of stuff. This is the experiences that I have. And instead of it being like, memorize this stuff for a test, it's like, everyone is on the same platform and it's discussion and dialogue and really trying to overcome what your preconceived notions are about whatever idea and really like digging into the, the, like the, like just the meat of this stuff in a way that's actually maybe practical to a person and the situation at hand, but with every different kind. So like we'd have a political leader, like the head of the green party in Canada at the time came in as part of it. Um, all that kind of stuff. So that was like really powerful. And then I wanted all of the rest of my education to be about communication, about like getting, so there's something about humans coming together and, and the, the, the novelty that can be created through that relationality of people. It's like when you see two Venn diagrams or two ripples in a pond, that Venus Pisces um, that happens in the middle, which is funnily enough, the, the symbol of Christianity, right? Like that, the fish that's, that's the Venus Pisces. And that's kind of like the archetype of what Jesus is or like, uh, when two or more gather in my name, I am there. So it's kind of like whatever my Christian upbringing was started like weaving into like uh, these things in my life without it being about like a religious thing, but about how can I just let my actions on earth like every day reflect the experiences that I've had on like psychedelics and these kind of things, but also just like these deeper understandings of like what it really is to be here in community with people. Um, like fine. And then, so the rest of my degree was like sustainable development that was more dialogue based and mm -hmm. then sustainable community development. <laughs> Man, that sounds really interesting. That's kind of like a, reminds me of like a think tape, think tank type scenario, right? Where you get just yeah. a bunch of different people from a bunch of different disciplines to solve an issue or just to come together and kind of, you know, shoot the shit basically. Right? Yeah. And it just really cool. like uncovers Cause I feel like a lot of people like don't actually realize what they think that much or like what maybe it's associated to from when they were younger, their parents, like whatever the context is. And I think, it, and like when you're just yourself and you're just reflecting on what you think you're still in your own, like central echo chamber of bias or you're thinking and, and, and you don't have someone else to reflect on actually what some of your lines of thinking or whatever might go to because because you just can't dig at every thought that you might have or because you think you're right you know what yeah. i mean like yeah <laughs> otherwise like it's <laughs> yeah that's like almost every day for me <laughs> exactly so it's like 
something like dialogue and even it's interesting like the people who who created dialogue as a discipline it's um like david bohm who was one of the people involved in the manhattan project right like helping create the atom bomb with oppenheimer with einstein and these people yeah big and then fortune, eventually pardon big big fortune 500 companies that's how they run their stuff too like they don't just yeah. uh silo everything they but everybody together hey we're here to solve problems to this is this is what we need and this is how we do i mean i've i've worked with um company that um they help like other companies with their infrastructure whether it's network anything i mean just anything and everything they're like um they just they're just like advisors yeah and they have like eight different departments that have to do with ai robotics networking security stuff but when a big project comes, everybody puts their minds together and they, they, they're, they functioned very well like that. That's really cool. Like, yeah. So they take like the, the, the best specialties of everyone and bring them all together on one central issue. Right. So it's like, yeah, if that's the, if this is the one issue. It's like everyone exists around that exactly. peripherally. Right. Different perspectives are valuable. You yeah, know? absolutely. And like no one exists in a silo, right? Like the world is I mean, we a can. series of understandings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can try to. <laughs> we can try to. Yeah. Dude, yeah. That's a good way to get some serious mental illness thinking we can really <laughs> handle everything ourselves. Well, well, I'll tell you what, man, I, I, I derive a little bit of pleasure from my silo here and there. <laughs> yeah. It's important. But you got to be able to like sink into it. <laughs> yeah. But I'll solve around a lot of people all day, every day too. So, yeah. you know, it's for me, a little bit of special time, uh, or, you know, alone time is, is valuable to me. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent needed. Though, yeah. So, that sounds like some pretty good experiences there, man. Yeah, it really, it, and, and it's, it's, I, I don't even think it was like, it's not just having this experience and like one education experience changed my life. It's like the fact that this correlated with the time that I was really exploring things like psychedelics. And it's like, those are kind of the things that those experiences teach you innately anyways, is to like uncover these things. So when I'm having the ability, at least where I am in Canada, that there is this program that I got into out of the university that I could reinforce or integrate in, in some ways, my, my experiences into something practical. I think I'm just really lucky that I was able to come across something like that. Um, and be able to look at these things in a rational kind of grounded way. Um, rather than it just be my experience that I have kind of in my head, cool to remember, like that's, that's great. But for me, it's really about how do I, how do I weave this into my daily experience? And then I guess like, since then I've been engaged in, uh, like I, I worked in the cannabis industry for four years cause it was, I wanted to, to help people like really do it for, um, like health and wellness, how people can overcome cancer, depression, anxiety, blah, blah, blah. And then finally got out of that just because of the hours siphoning creativity and stuff like that. And now I'm in like the nonprofit space trying to build a nonprofit. So it's really, it's still like weaving through the things that I'm trying to to do, I guess, in life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You know, even, <clears throat> even uh, for me, I've got some college, um, experience but um you know i've 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 done a lot of shit even in my youth <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i got a lot of life experience but um i'm mean, the same thing with me it's it's kind of like you can relate that to with the psychedelic experience right you go through this thing where you have this experience but then 
you ask yourself, what do I do with this? You know, you turn yeah. it into some more, somewhat of a tool and then you integrate, exactly. integrate that into your own world and your own reality and then shape it how you see fit to be able to reflect that thing that you just learned or that you know is there yeah. or you, you know you can create yourself. Absolutely. And I think that exactly what you say is so interesting in terms of like the, the experience of, of a lot of these compounds is it's like when, when you're using this as a way to like reflect on your life, where you've come, the, the overview effect of your life kind of thing, and, and maybe looking at where you might be going, like just like the tone of, of what you want for yourself. It's kind of like, um, oh shit, as I was saying that, I totally lost my train. Uh, no. But it was... Um, Oh, how did that happen? <laughs> no, it happens to me all the time, especially when you're fucking stoned. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> no, but what we were talking about was just having this these experiences and and taking them for for a deeper meaning and creating it as a tool to kind of weave it into your everyday strategy oh. or even the way you live your life. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I think for a lot of people, they might feel lost in their lives going through, mm -hmm. like we talked about just the momentum going through day to day and just scrambling to, to stay on top of everything. But it's like, when you can really engage in these, in these substances and look at your life, it shows you that you can really take in these experiences. And it's not like your whole life is a meandering lost cause. It's that all of your experiences are leading up for you to be here, like right where you are right now. And that your whole path has been a straight line the whole way. But I think yeah, maybe without these experiences or without other kind of modalities like meditation and stuff, it can be really hard to feel that you are at that like peak spot in your life or whatever, and that you're more, maybe you're overwhelmed by all these things, but, but it is like just a forward momentum that you can really reflect backwards on with, with tools like that. Yeah, definitely makes sense, man. Um, <clears throat> so you, so you, you went to the, back to the co to college or university with that in mind. And then you also got into the cannabis industry, did that for a little bit. And then now you're, you said you're more in the nonprofit uh, industry. Is that well, yeah. Also so I think it was like last year in January that mm -hmm. I left um, cannabis and then did like construction for a second. And then sir, uh, uh, the COVID kind of thing hit. And like with that and getting like, the, there's the little bit of government support that was going on. It gave uh, the people on my team, the ability to at least start doing something with our time. So we, uh, yeah, yeah, founded a, a nonprofit that we've been working on and we're trying to launch uh, whenever we can. <laughs> yeah. Whenever we get the what app is done. It, what is the center, Jerome? Um, so it's called Here to Help and it's, um, so it's, or Here to Help app. Uh, it's a, we're trying to, essentially it's, it's kind of trying to reveal in an app the innate infrastructure that kind of already does exist in communities, but that people don't see it because it's not in front of them on their phones and, and people don't know their neighbors and stuff. So primarily it's the ability to provide like peer to peer community based support. Um, so we're starting with like four categories just so that we can get something out and then continue to get it out after that. But it'd be like connections, pet care, help at home and rides. But within any of that, you can, you can really ask for any kind of assistance. So like for, for people with disabilities and, and during COVID and stuff and the inability to have as many assistants or networks, like anyone would be able to pick up their phone, see who needs help in their community. And it's not just people with disabilities. It's, it's anyone who, who really needs help. Maybe they're busy. Maybe they have had a kid and they don't have time to do the yeah. stuff that they normally would. Um, That's and a lot of this cool. just comes from like, like isolation and stuff going on in mm -hmm. seniors, especially in old folks homes, like really not having the ability to connect to people like they used to with all of this. So we really want to 
get that out there. <laughs> it's more like a community-based type thing. Like, uh, hey, I'm I'm driving to Home Depot. Does anybody need anything out of the or Yeah, exactly. So it could be like, like providing help or like if someone needs a ride to Home Depot yeah. and you're like okay. off work and you got an hour <clears throat> and you're bored and you want to help your community. So you, you'd get like volunteer hours for it. Um, and then we want to make it so that it builds up like community credits for having volunteered that you could then um, cash in at um, if we partner with massage therapists or mental health services or food co-ops or whoever we partner with, we would integrate it in a way that part of that payment would be able to be used in community credits or maybe all of it as we develop it. Um, and then we want the ability to like create community events and have lending libraries and all this stuff. So really it's, it's an app that shows what's in your community in terms of like what, what, um, what services are available and just you, it's almost like a Craigslist for yeah. help to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, well, out there where you guys are at, how has uh, COVID changed things? Are you guys in, in the lockdown or how's it working up there where you're at? Yeah. So we went through that original lockdown earlier in, um, I think like closer to March when stuff happened. And that's when I got kind of laid off. And then it like BC where I am in uh, Canada had really, they did well with the numbers originally, like, um, like it seemed like it went down quite far. Hospitals weren't overwhelmed, none of that kind of stuff. And now, uh, this last like week or two, we've, we've got in a new lockdown that I think is supposed to last till December 7th. Um, and then who knows if that'll be extended, but I think they're trying to like lock down so that people like might be able to not be during Christmas. Um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting situation and it's not total lockdown. Like businesses are still open. Um, it's just like people aren't allowed to have people in their houses. Um, all those kind of fun, socially isolating experiences. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but you've been on lockdown before, man. You know, when you had that back injury, that's kind of, I, I think this is what COVID did to everybody is just, Hey, stop. Like yes, this is, man. we're stopping everything right now. Like you guys got to chill for a little bit and it has forced a lot of people to go through that same, you know, experience that kind of people go through when they, you know, are on the, yeah. the, the bench, so to speak. It's, um, it's a strange time, you know, to kind of see what's being manifested from all of these things, you know, from yeah. people not having so much communication with each other physically. I mean, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't go out that much, but I still go out here and there. You know, I'm not <clears throat> mingling with 20, 50 fucking people, yeah. but you know, I still visit my family and my friends here. So, but you know, if, if anybody's sick or anything, then, Hey, you know, we can, you know, we work around it, but yeah. Um, I think as the, for the world, right. The entire world having to go through it at once. It's like, it's something else. Yeah. Know? It's like a, like a collective dark night of the soul almost. Right. <laughs> and I'm, I guess in a lucky position, like even though the situation sucks to have go through that back injury, like even before this whole COVID thing, like I already see it as being the best thing that could have ever happened to me because it made me change my life. It made me get into the stuff that I've gotten into meditation, psychedelics. Like it, it made me change my university stuff. Like everything changed because of that. And now like, unfortunately, sucks for people who haven't gone through a similar thing where they have to kind of put up with their own solitude for a little bit, because that at least was the catalyst for me to really do all these things in a different way than I would have, but also like be able to put up with myself and, and, and sit with myself and in a different way that is more productive than, than it 
would have been if this didn't happen to me. So I'm hopeful that the similar kind of process works out. Um, for everybody we'll in general. See. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll tell you this much, man. For, for, for the most part, the all, all the people that I've spoken to in the last four or five months, a lot of people are doing a lot of self-care and the self-work, you know, especially yeah. like for me, this, these last few months have been, um, I've benefited from them, you know, more than I, that I would, I would have thought. And that's just from kind of traveling within, you know, doing yeah. some, some inner, inner work, so to speak, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like though it seems, and though for many people, this is a terrible, awful situation going on, especially with the isolation and and whatever mental health concerns kind of happen with that. But it's interesting. Yeah. that The most, most people I talk to, that are at least like reflective to some capacity seem to be able or have been able to really take this year as a blessing because it's not like, it's not only that the momentum is stopped on the life. It's like the momentum on the the stuff that you didn't need to be doing has stopped. And it just, yeah, it hopefully allows people to reassess like what are the actual things that they need in their life? What are the things and people that they really care about? And like, how can they put themselves back into that instead of chasing the signals that really led to all this shit going on in the first place? Yeah. It's like almost, uh, uh, kind of you uh, take take it as a as a sign to to take some initiative and, and change something in your life too i mean i know there's i know people that have lost their jobs over it but you know they've adapted you know yeah. they've done other things to, to stay above water and you know that it's unfortunate but you know that's that's a blessing in disguise for them you know they know exactly. now that they can do a or b so you know i've seen people do that but i've also seen people that still kind of came out on it on the rough end even now and it's just like fucking you know, yeah. what, what are we to do? You know, I mean, I, I don't know too much about it, but yeah, you know, it is yeah. what it is. I just try to be as nice as I can to as much people as I, I come across nowadays because everybody's going through something right now. Yeah. And it can and be I think that's, stemming from it, you know, from the whole COVID stuff. Yeah. And I think like whatever happens, it's going to be really interesting. Just like, just like with the 2008, like kind of financial crisis or, or, or like nine 11 or whatever happens, it's just interesting to see the rebound that happens in society in the, the new economic space. Like what are the new actors or, or patterns of, um, not necessarily power, but like patterns of the thing that is successful in the new like way of things. And I think we're going to see because of this, like, because we're seeing some mental health crisis, because we're seeing a lot of these situations happen because of COVID along with at least some changes for people. I think we're going to see a lot of these community-based needs really come back to the forefront because like we're like like we kind of said like people aren't silos to the level that a lot of people really seem th- that they hope that they are like we do exist no matter what in a global community and even if you go back to like the, like the 40s and 50s before really like the modern age really took hold like people existed in more of these, like there were towns and stuff, but it was still more like village. Like they were, you, you took care of the needs of the people around you innately for just living by them. And if we can at least start to learn some of these things um, and maybe make economic systems of some kind around the ability to help and take care of the people around you. Um, I think that'll be a really powerful statement in the face of the difficulties that we've come across. And I think even the things like cryptocurrency and these things coming out, are the beginning of putting things in that direction and yeah. the ideas of decentralization, however much like the powers that be will uh, fight against that uh, until then. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, but you make a good point, man. I mean, if you even look at like for me, one big thing that stood out for me with this whole thing and kind of people become a little bit more involved was voting. And you can say what you want about the presidential election. I, I stayed out of it. I, I wrote in the fucking rock for, for president. You know, that's how much I stayed out of it. <laughs> but locally, I was very, very interested in what was going on. Right. Mm. And I have time and I'm looking through the whole ballot and I'm actually making some pretty good decisions. And even here in the state that I'm at, you know, we've we passed some pretty good propositions here, you know, and um, the, the more people that I spoke to here locally, you know, they were more involved this year, which, yeah, could have been from a little bit of the advertising, but it's also giving us that, you know, that was that a little extra <clears throat> push yeah. there, kind of more of a sense of community too, you know, where, yeah. where otherwise it didn't feel like that. Maybe it was just my own observation, but I don't know. That's kind of what I felt, you know, well, this year it's well. even interesting in, 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 in the States seeing the amount of like decriminalization of, of, of drugs and psychedelics that happen across the board. It's like, it shows you that even if there are still some like whatever social currents are going on or, or disinformation or like whatever is frustrating <laughs> at that grand scale, you yeah. can see the communities that are getting together oh, yeah. and still fighting Fuck, the, yeah. the things that are actually needed. Right. Like it Hell isn't yeah. about these big picture yeah. media problems that, that are swaying people's minds. It's really about like, how can we help the people? And people are learning that these things are, helping happening and i think like what's crazy about it is kind of like canvas but in a bigger way when this starts to spread across the country and you see radical acceptance or at least like clinics happening in even a quarter of the states however many it is the radical consciousness shifts that will happen from this being accepted not even just the healing that will stop the momentum of negative patterns but because that's like just a linear progression sure people get better linear but but what is the exponential change at a societal level when people are engaging in um like jaw-dropping altered states that really are changing their conception of what reality is yeah. fundamentally who yeah. they are fundamentally yeah I think even more so the children that are growing in this day and age who have those parents or have those people as parents. Yeah. That is like one of the biggest, um, I can see that kind of creating a, a, a huge ripple across the generations, you know? Um, yeah. I have children myself, man, and they've seen me go through the whole process of being that drunken ass motherfucker every night doing this shit and then going uh, having a relationship with these plants and funguses and just boom 180 you know yeah so kids that are growing up in this day and age where cannabis is legal people use cannabis um you know people use psychedelics like that for them that's the norm and that's yeah. how you ultimately change the entire society. Is by the Absolutely. Children. And to be able to like, how amazing to be grown up like that instead of this stuff is bad and these yeah. people are bad and you should not associate with the people that do it. Exactly. It's like, actually, this is medicine that helps me be a better person around people. Yeah. Um, and, it, and they understand the education around it and that it's used in a ceremonial or ritualistic aspect. And it's used to bring your life into context so that you can self-actualize or whatever language you want to put to it. Um, like how much better would that be? And I think like on, on one side, like that, it would just stop the level of taboo and negative things or drugs in general. But also it's like, just like with cannabis, when people don't make it taboo, people aren't just going to go off and do this thing because it's this illegal thing exactly. and they're kind of rebelling. Well, there might be a few in the beginning. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. like, 
people are going to use it for like some of them, of course, are still going to enjoy the the nice candy visuals or whatever is going on. Yeah. But like this, the the association context is going to be more around like harm reduction. It's going to be yeah. around self growth, like healing trauma. And when you when you know that it can be used that about in that way implicitly, rather than it being like, oh, after school today, we we got access to these shrooms. Do you want it? Like, it, it just changes the context entirely yeah. of what these things are in yeah. themselves. It did. For the record, even even recreationals, all right. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> you want to get fucked up? Go ahead, right? <laughs> but I just mean like even in the recreational sense of things, of right? Course, like yeah. to know that these are useful for self growth and healing and stuff, and to go into a recreational experience with that in mind, rather than like this is illegal and the cops might get me and I'm afraid of what my parents might think to, to, to even be in your trip while like, sure you try to have a recreational trip, but that can have a negative influence in your set and setting and throw you in a really, really bad state. I've seen it with people with, with cannabis, even just knowing it's illegal, the anxiety that comes after they've used it. Oh, they're the police are going to get me. Um, just not having that, I think is kind of like, it's the 1984, like big brother isn't watching you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, man, I agree. It's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, but I I'm, I'm really happy to be alive right now with, with just the, the whole movement that's happening, you know, and it's been happening, you know, I, even for me, I mean, I just barely, I haven't been at this too long, you know, but um, <clears throat> I'm really glad that, you know, we started, you know, getting online and meeting people and, you know, having these conversations and, and getting into other people that are having other conversations kind of centered around the same deals that you kind of start seeing the community as a whole across the globe as well. You know, yeah. it feels good to be part of that. Absolutely. And I think it's so important to even just like to be able to have these conversations with, like you say, the community and, and the greater community and, and to be able to connect that, like that's part of the normalizing. That's part of the, um, it's part of the integration, like in a personal level, like whoever hears a conversation that hears something that makes them reflect in a new way about their experience or whatever to an individual or yeah, it, it just keeps the conversation going forward in a way that shows that these are beneficial and it isn't, what they've necessarily been made out to be for so many years and people are rational and okay. Even if they engage in practice with these or not. <laughs> yeah. And it also makes things a little more normalized, you know, yeah. where, where it's no longer taboo or people are no longer hesitant to have these conversations, you know, for me in the last few years, that's drastically changed, you know, even for, even at where I work at, you know, I've, I've met yeah. people at work at and we're just like, Hey, what's up? And you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Exactly. You just know <laughs> immediately. Yeah. We're in, the break, like we're in the break room, just going off and talking about all kinds of shit because uh, a lot of times it becomes isolating, you know, being, yes. being, uh, being a proponent of, of these uh, substances or plants or whatever. But um, I'm really glad that people are out there doing it, man. And I know you have, yeah. Uh, the, reinc the reincarnation podcast. Uh, tell me, where, where did this start from? Or, uh, what is this uh, the podcast about there? Yeah, so I, obviously it's a it's a play on my name, and it's our like reincarnation with my name instead of reincarnation. Um, so it was never it's never about like um, like reincarnation from a past life or anything like that. Uh, like I remember in grade eight, someone walked by me in high school and said, "Oh, reincarnation." 
carnation. And then I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. I should use that one day. And then I never did. Um, and then, it, yeah. So it was like in the back of my mind and I had an old podcast called shifting the paradigm, but that idea was almost like, it's such a grand idea that it, it prevented me from doing it with any regularity. Cause I felt mm. like too much like oh it's so serious kind of thing became like but a re- job yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, and whereas yeah. reincarnation like it's my name i'll do whatever the hell i want exactly. with it yeah but it is kind of about this idea of kind of like I, the idea kind of started working i guess like when i was sitting in bed and that momentum stopped for me and i was able to start reflecting on my life it's like instead of reincarnation from a past life everyone needs to reincarnate carnate like into their life now and stop running on their previous patterns and stuff. And it's like, what are the things that are people are able to do when they, when they leave these past patterns and reincarnate into themselves in the now. Um, so it's kind of like conversations with people who are kind of doing that. And mostly that is involving around like psychedelics and stuff. And, and those kind of practices that allow people to, to drop their old shit and really start to, like engage in a way that is beneficial for them and their, whatever their community is. Like, I don't mean necessarily like the physical, like the people they care about. Right. And it's instead of whatever self-centered patterns that you don't even realize that you're running. Um, Yeah. So I guess yeah, use of psychedelics and stuff just really got me into wanting to, I don't know. I have conversations like this all the time with people like yourself and to get this like you're doing into a format that other people can hear and resonate with is uh, what it's, it's important to me. And, and like taking dialogue and university and stuff is really all part of why I started doing that. Yeah. Have you had anybody from that time on and spoken with them on your podcast from my like university days? Yeah. Yeah. When you did the thing, the, the dialogue. Yeah, actually I had, um, I I haven't had anyone from that, like from the, from the semester long program that I did, but afterwards, like to get the dialogue minor, I had to take another dialogue class kind of thing. So somebody from my dialogue class I had on, I forget which episode it is. I think it's, I think it's episode six, uh, Heather Prost, and she's a, a grief counselor, a death doula, and an expressive arts therapist. Um, wait, wait, since wait, she's a, uh, what? A death, <laughs> a what? Death doula. So it's kind of like, like a doula is kind of like a, a midwife, right? Like bringing someone in the world. So a death doula is setting someone up for passing peacefully, but like, like being able to let go in the mind as you pass and helping out the family and that kind of thing. And then she's a grief counselor. So like helping out the family associated with the, with the person and then expressive arts therapy is uh, yeah, utilizing therapy to, to, to really get at emotions that cannot be spoken so that you can actually get them out and, and overcome them. So she's, she's awesome. And I want to get her back on the show. She has some, some, some cool plans with actually potentially like utilizing some level of, of, of cannabis or something like that with uh, like, uh, like grief circles or mm-hmm. uh, like a dialogue kind of style, which I'm, yeah. I'm interested in talking to her about. Yeah. In Canada, do you guys have the, um, I don't know what the law is called over there, but over here it's um <sighs> I can't remember. I think it's like assisted suicide, but it's basically when somebody is terminally ill and they're like, yeah. I don't want to go through all the bullshit. Just give me a cocktail and I'm out of here type shit. Is it? Yeah. The, like a, the assisted dying thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I think we have 
um, or euthanasia or whatever. Um, we have some amount of it. Um, there's, I, I don't know enough about like what the policy is around, like, cause there's a lot of like, this is allowed, but if you're not like mentally competent, quote unquote, um, then you can't. But I think that there's an amendment right now saying that if you are mentally incompetent, that you should be able to, but then that has a lot of human rights issues and stuff because it, it, yeah. So it's, I think it's going through some stuff I know in like, or like, actually it's funny that you mentioned, um, that too because in the in the podcast episode i had with her we talk about how in the dialogue program one of the papers that we actually co-wrote together in that uh like we worked on the same paper um it was about assisted dying in in the states and then she became a death doula later and she only remembered that we had done that paper together like on the podcast (laughs) yeah how long have you been doing the the whole podcast for uh, this one has almost been about a year, but I did like shifting the paradigm, I think since 2017, but I only ever got out four episodes that I got out. And then I had like another three that I, like the audio was messed up on, or I had corrupted files. Um, so I've been, I've been doing it on and off, but this is the first time actually doing it with actually like regularity, um, for over a year. Yeah. Nice. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, I'm kind of new to all of this here myself. You know, it was just kind of one of them things that, that popped up and I was like, well, who's going to do it? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's been fun. You know, it's been fun uh, getting on here and speaking with people and um, networking with others and so forth. And um, I think one of the biggest things um, for me was taking this template and using it locally, you know, yeah. Um, it kind of goes back to that changing the world or reflecting upon the world, however you want to see it, um, where I can do the most, um, I could be the most effective, which is locally. Um, yes. You know, that's something that, uh, I don't know, for me, it was always the goal from the beginning, you know, from getting online to reaching out to people on Reddit, all these different social platforms and getting to DMT world and getting to do this, but seeing it, in in uh in action like dmt world um and then doing it here locally it's been like one of the best moves ever and yeah um, i encourage as much people to do that because uh, it starts locally you know everything does i mean we can we can get into the big global issues of course um but then there's also people that would like to you know do things locally you know yeah what's, what's right in front of you you know and that me, was like important that was even like around like the app and stuff that i'm making the, the nonprofit app um like that that was really the impetus around this whole thing like uh, a friend of mine um like a few a few of my friends went up to a to a cabin a, f- a few hours away in vancouver and um had a little bit of a an altered altered state experience but it was a really interesting weekend and we like the biggest theme that we got through the whole weekend it wasn't just the trip we were in like a weird group mind experience it was one of the most fascinating experiences and it directly was part of the reason that this app is coming out um was it psilocybin it was lsd LSD, (laughs) um and it was but it was it was really interesting because it wasn't like about this insane trip it was about like a few different people at different doses and the ability to take like I hate the word channeling, but it felt like we were, it felt like channeling something into words, like whatever feeling tone, like it is in some level, whatever stupid word language. So you, still, <laughs> um, so you can still look at the next day too. huh? Yeah, and it, exactly. So it was like this, this idea form that we were chiseling into language and people who even weren't 
tripping. We're totally like, they were like, this is very important conversation that you're having. That's good. Um, and Those they could feel ones. it was weird. It was like, I was able to look into people's brains and I could see like <laughs> thought bubbles attached to their heads that I could pop. And then I could speak <laughs> it for them because they weren't able to themselves. Anyway, we came up, there were like three main themes in that experience, but like the main one that like pierced through is like, like you've accumulated enough. Like it's about action and it's not just like action for yourself. It's exactly what you're saying. Like going into the local and stuff, tend to the part of the garden that you can touch. It's not about getting like, yes, there are global issues, but if you're getting lost in this giant thing, like you are losing the fact that there's real things that you can do right here for the people around you. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times people get caught up on those big old issues, right? Exactly. That's the one thing that I that I learned in the last few years of being online is the, all those big things that are, it's like, OK, yeah, let's have an opinion on it. But at the end of the day, what can one person, what can I do personally? Yes, like I, I could just have my opinion and, and stick with it. But the local stuff, like even just your family first, your house, yes. first, your neighborhood, community, that's I mean, it, it's it's um, it's uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything else at this moment in time. Absolutely. And I think it's so important now, like with, with so much media and stuff out there and people typing and losing the, losing the connection because they feel like they're being attacked and the comment section on anything is garbage, but to be able to, to really realize that it's about the local and have conversations like this that are meaningful across the world, and then bring that into the face-to-face interactions that you have with people and how you can treat them rather than othering people on something that you, you can't other people when they're right in front of you. You can't other people when other people, when you're both helping clean up your community, when you're both like whatever it is, but you really can, when it's just a picture on a laptop, right? Like it's about bringing all of this into the communities and realizing that bringing these actions into your everyday is the thing that actually fixes the global issues. Because until we fix it in the interactions between everybody, like there is no fixing it in the big level. It's not about policy. It's about how people stop treating each other badly so we can actually make that step in policy. That goes back to the old saying, be the change you want to see, right? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Or before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. Like you still got to do the shit and not just complain about the situation (laughs) you're in. (laughs) That that is something uh, that was a big thing too, right? I mean, how how am I? I, I, But I've always carried myself in that manner that I'm probably going to meet you one of these days, whether it's like this or whether it's in person, you know? Yeah. But I think bringing it local and in person brings that connection back you know nobody's gonna talk shit to you like that exactly (laughs) exactly you know and i I think that's that's the real you you know that's that's what i give you you know i i would like that in return you know but um it is what it is there's always going to be cunts no matter what (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) it's about how best we can navigate that right yeah yeah no, that's good though, man. I, I, I keep, you know, I keep hearing the same kind of sentiment everywhere, you know, and uh, just these little small communities popping up here and there, little small groups of people and taking care of what's in front of them, you know, and locally, that's, that's how we get shit like decriminalized uh, nature. You know, that's yeah. how we get maps that has been doing this for decades. That's how we get all these different organizations and groups of people and online communities to sway the public you know, yes. change that perspective on, on how people view these substances or these plants or even just the relationship that I have with these plants and, and or fungus, you know, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a magical thing that, um, <clears throat> I feel for me, 
um, I never really knew as much, you know, but, um, now that it's here and people are doing it and I've done it and I've gone through it myself, it's changed my life. Man. Yeah. And it's amazing that it's like, yeah, like, like you say with maps and stuff like that, it takes like Rick Doblin or whoever it is from these different organizations to actually do the thing instead of complaining about this shitty thing that's happening in the world and being a keyboard warrior. It's like, find the thing that you feel that you have the capacity to at least work on and then build a community around that. And what change can you make? Maybe you'll make it the next maps. Maybe you'll make the next whatever, but like, that's, that's how change is made. It's not, it's never about complaining. <laughs> yeah. And also supporting each other. That's a big part of it, you know, becoming that, that mycelial network, you know, where everybody, Absolutely. Hey, there's, there's enough room on the stage. I mean, the world is the stage, you know, so there's no reason for people to, still act shady you see it a lot you know you see people <clears throat> and like even between websites and communities online communities you see that little bit of bicker and it's like what are you guys doing man you guys are the, yeah. the same like it doesn't make any sense it's like a virus right yeah, yeah. well it's it it's it's that like that famine thinking like there's not enough room here for everybody but there is exactly it's already here <laughs> exactly you know? i'm curious have you heard of like um there's a there's a canadian scientist that like lives in the states now dr bruce damer have you heard of him at all uh i can't say i have to be honest so with you. i think you'd find him fascinating in general because it's really related to psychedelic topics like like he's a very fascinating scientist who has the current ongoing theory of how life started on the earth which is testable like in a lab and stuff and, and they're proving that it started um like like in hot spring kind of vents with the polymers being able to be made because of like the pulse of life with the rotation of the moon and all this stuff anyways what he's proving with like the origin of life work is that life did not start as a, a single-celled organism. It was not an individual that pulled itself up by the bootstraps and did the next kind of thing. It was a community mesh that was made through these, the, the whatever the processes were in the early earth to be able to, to bind these like RNA films almost. But that means that like whatever life is, it's, it's only grown through community. That's why like a forest works as a community myceliated network internet almost like that's what people are. That's what everything is. It's the interaction between the parts. It's never this one thing has done all of this. It, it's never that. And I think as this gets more accepted on like a scientific level, just like the Copernican revolution or Galileo or whatever, like this is going to, I think associated with COVID and realizing that we really need community for humans to function. I think it's really going to shift mainstream worldview to some degree, at least that of course. hopefully will be useful in the new century. <laughs> I'm sure it will, man. It sounds pretty, pretty interesting. And it kind of bring, oh, it brings me back to that, um, to that place that a lot of us visit and, and and sometimes it's a little bit of a different shade or it's the same room and, the, and it's it's a different room in the same house or whatever you want to call it but and that's something i was going to ask you about um <clears throat> now that you've had these psychedelic experiences like how how does the way you view humanity as a whole like how has it changed it if it has yeah um I, like, like I said earlier, I was raised Catholic, right? So I, I wasn't raised with like an atheistic um, worldview to begin with. So like worth prefacing that, but I remember like going through high school, getting to like be like grade 10 or whatever. And, and knowing for sure, like I'm not 
a Christian kind of thing. Like I'm not, I'm not in the Catholic doctrine of things, but I remember having a conversation with my friends around that time and telling them like, like I, I don't have those beliefs. And they asked me, yeah, like, like what, what are your beliefs then? And I remember telling them then, like I have a feeling or some, I don't know, some kind of deep, weird feeling that we are all attached to some kind of single unitive super consciousness of some kind. And I remember like those were pretty much all the words, I guess, that I had back then towards what, whatever it is, was, um, and psychedelics, like it was way after that, that I got into them, like second year university or so. Um, but they didn't like counter any of that. Like it has kind of deepened my feeling that I already had towards that, if that makes sense. Um, like maybe it's given me a little bit more of a visual understanding of what that me or an experiential, uh, like, like I get the patterns of it more. I, like, I don't know how to put that part into words, but it's, it's deepened that I think that there's something like that going on. Like you, you hear about Rupert Sheldrake talking about the morphogenetic field, talking about things like, um, like, like schools of fish or, or flocks of birds, like starlings or whatever, when they're moving as a group cluster, that they're moving uh, faster than the ability for any one individual to make that choice of quick movement changes with the whole group, that there's some kind of social fabric and whatever psychedelics are, whatever depth of mind that it takes you into, whatever it's doing for me is, is getting me to realize that pattern in humans or in the world more. And it goes back to the whole, the thing that I mentioned about Bruce Damer, like I feel that community mesh more than that we all are rather than the individual thing that I may have thought to begin with. Yeah, that's where like the words, I guess, kind of break down, but I like, yeah, I feel something about this community unity <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> no, I hear you, man. I, I, I feel the same way, but I often get, I, I stop, I get stopped at a certain point, especially when I try to explain it. I mean, yeah. even just listening to you, I'm like, yep. Yep. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about too. Like, there's still this part where it's uncertainty, but you can still kind of feel it. Or maybe there is something there. And it's I, for me, what it really has uh, it has given me a lot of more um, open, you know, be, be able to be open minded and know yeah. that I may be wrong, um, that I probably more than likely am wrong. Yeah. And just um, just be nice to people, too. You know, yeah, there's um, <clears throat> it makes sense, even if you just believe it, whether it's true or not, working together is a good thing yes man <laughs> you know looking at each other as as equals or somewhat equals or from the same type of yes thing, you know as humans is good it's yeah. not bad you know so and i think yeah, that's I'm like because <laughs> that's like the important thing ultimately yeah. right it's like in the psychedelics and in, in whatever if it's religion you should understand whatever thought that you get to like jesus said like treat your the neighbor as yourself whatever yeah. it is it's like learn that we are all one and then don't get caught up in the language of how that might come across like yeah don't get caught in the language of christianity just act as Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. don't become a Buddhist, be Buddha. Like Jack Cornfield says, like, yeah. it's not about getting ever caught up in the form of the thing. It's not about getting caught up in the form of the world. It's about treating other people well. <laughs> yeah. It's just funny because it almost seems like humans as a species have kind of done away with religion and replaced it with 
society in general for what we yeah. see it as, whether it's on social with, with technology, right? Yeah. TV, media, social media platforms, like all that's kind of our religion now that we have to break away from type shit, you know, like exactly. it really is true. Um, for me though, um, I think that is always the most important thing. And that's, that's where the, the term spread the love came from, you know, because it's like love is, is, is the best drug in the world. You know, it's the yeah. best currency in the world. It's the best everything in the world. So for me, um, you know, that's what I do is just try to spread it as much as possible. And, Whatever yeah. that looks like, you know, it depends on which day you ask me or time of the day, but <laughs> it's always for, for, you know, just, just to be nice to people, you know? Yeah. There's, and to be um, able to reflect on that in your experience every day and try to deepen whatever that means. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a, it's, it's a really um, strange time, man. It really is. Um, but, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of my life being mean and, and hurting people and shit like that, you know, so now this is kind of, you know, an, an opposite of that. I'm really glad to be able to, to have lived, to see this, you know, yeah. part of, of, of life for, for me at least. Um, so that's kind of how I spend it on yeah. my, my own and, and how psychedelics has changed the way I've looked at people in general, you know? Yeah. The that's beautiful thing. to me to be able to like, take your earlier life experience and now change it. So <laughs> it is about giving back. It's about having these yeah. conversations and really, yeah, changing that energy that you've been maybe associated with for the earlier part of your life. Yeah, the thing about God is a weird one, right? Like, um, I, I've I've had more conversations that I than I'd wanted to have in the last few months about it, and it's weird because, and not just because I don't believe in God or because of I'm an atheist or anything like that, but because everybody has their own fucking opinion, their own point of view, their own perspective, and. A lot of people believe that other people are wrong and shit. And it's like, dude, get the fuck out of here, man. Yeah. Like, uh, fuck God. I don't care. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah, God is a big blue fucking ball in the sky. I still got to be here with you. I still got to love you. I still got to exactly. accept you and vice versa. You know, it's it's it separates people, man. You know? Yeah. Especially it's when it's often from that. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's like the... I don't even know if it's like the, the true Christian viewpoint or whatever, but like the weird mainstream understanding from Christianity of like what God is seems to be a weird outside deity that judges you and sits outside. But it's like, if you can understand it from the point of view, if you think of it as the totality of the, of humanity, plus everything else going on and that you're inside of the thing instead of trying to other it so that you're better than anybody. Like, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, when you have these experiences of the deeper community mesh or whatever it is, like, it's almost, it's not even that it's like not even an option to, to treat people because like you're seeing that it's like cutting off your own arm or whatever. Like you start to feel it in, in deeper ways. If at least you have these conversations and like actually start to integrate what these experiences can mean for you. Cause otherwise it could just be eye candy, <laughs> which is fine <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I even felt like even the word God, like just stops people on their track. Yeah. Know? Okay, because it's 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 such a powerful thing. Once you learn, you know what you got to do for your family, your community. Then you, you have more time to think about shit. You start thinking about your beliefs. You start going through this whole inventory, and you eventually get to God. Yeah, <laughs> what exactly. does God mean for you? You know, it's a it's a really strange one. And I've seen people who have gone from a complete atheist and had you know 
an entire summer, a DMT field summer and get out of it in the fall and be reading the Bible, you know, from yeah. page one, like I got to figure this shit out, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was even like, like, even in my experience with psychedelics too, is like, like I, I kind of had that, that inkling of mind or whatever. And then I remember getting into mushrooms, like, there's something to it. There's something deep in there kind of thing. And then eventually trying more substances um, or like a few other psychedelics kind of thing um, and having like my first breakthrough experience and then coming down from that and realizing like, it's not just about having that experience of the neon labyrinth of my mind or, and whatever that's attached to. It's, it's about like, I need to read Buddhism and Hinduism or whatever it is and understand maps of this territory of consciousness that I did not know existed until that point. And then it, yeah, it, it, it just has weaved interestingly in my life since then. Have you ever had a, an experience that left you wondering um, about reality? Like even just your reality, um, even down to the point where maybe you don't know what's real or whether you're, what you're going through is real. Um, on my, uh, one of the most powerful, but also like relaxed versions of that, what you're saying is, uh, I think it was on my, like one of my early on in, in, in my, in my explorations, I, th I think it was like maybe my third mushroom trip or something like that. I remember we were jamming in a room, um, like, like kind of like bongos or some people like bass guitar, that kind of thing. Um, and, and with the tone of the drum and the rhythm and stuff that it was going at, I, I remember it wasn't like a crazy high dose. It was the thing was like probably three or three and a half grams or something. Um, and I remember like being kind of in tune with the music and then feeling like almost like if this is me as one thing kind of thing in reality, it's like, I felt the mind part of me, like have a bit of a separation, not like a negative, Oh no, I'm separated from it's dissociated, whatever. It, it was like, my mind was in the eternal place where nothing is actually happening. And in reality, I was still seeing reality going on, but almost like, um, like, I don't know if you've ever been to Disneyland or seen any of those old animation reels that has like 12 frames in a circle and you spin it and then you see the movement. So my mind was in the place in which I was seeing the real and that reality was a series of frames on a reel. Um, and I remember talking to, and I was like, I was talking to one of my friends, Michael. Um, and, uh, and I remember saying like, I like, I don't want you to be concerned. Like, don't worry. I'm not scared or anything, but nothing's happening right now. And he was like, but we're, we're jamming. I was like, no, no, no. Like, I, I know, I know that there's stuff happening, but there's nothing happening right now. So I couldn't like put it into like the actual words at the time, but I was, yeah, I was, I was experiencing, like if you think of uh, even like like if you think of time as like the x and y axis, there's like the linear chronological kind of lived time, and then there's like the vertical time or eternity kind of intersects with every single moment of time because if eternity exists, it's at all times, right? So it's like my mind was in that place, um, so that really gave me, I guess, a clue or like an inkling and and like the ability to. Um, separate myself even from my issues or my individual anxieties that people get on a daily basis from being in the world and having a job and that stuff. Like it, it, it helps you realize that that is just kind of mind shit going on. That's part of the reels. Um, 
So that was one of the biggest ones that was actually like calm and just like, I was able to get it immediately as it was happening, which was really interesting. Um, I think at lower doses like that, if, if you, if you have experience with your own mind, with meditating, you could do a lot. And I'm a big proponent of that. Um, I'm a big fan of just eating three, four grams and then just laying down and just meditating and just going away, you know, in my mind. And it can be very powerful, very powerful. Uh, Usually when, for, for me, I think that, that, that whatever it is that you do or the place that you go to, the place that you see, I think that's also the part, um, that helps you get over that depression or anxiety or whatever it is that you have built up um, prior to, to using these substances. Yeah. But for me, that was a big one was, um, you know, I was being angry about something and then getting to this place and being like, Oh shit, there's so many other things I could be fucking be af- yeah. afraid about. I could be nervous about, I could be mad about, but when you see it as a whole like that, you're like, Oh shit, I better just yeah. calm down and be happy that I'm, <laughs> I still have yeah. two legs. <laughs> I find it so, yeah, because when you go to that that place, I, I find it really interesting because it's like, as you're leading up to to getting there, <laughs> it's like, like I was, like I guess I always refer to some of these things as like the omega point or like the union of opposites. And then it's really weird because these are always like spiritual terms or like, like scripture or whatever. So it's, and it's hard to not use those words because people have already obviously made the, the metaphors. That's why they use them. But it's like this place where you realize like all these worries and all these polarities and good and bad and these things that you're, that are opposite to each other in your mind you have to let go of all of those and then you go to the place and in that place you like there can't be worry because that's associated in those weird polarities that exist underneath that point that you that you get to and then coming down from that and just having remembered and being able to bring that into your body of like i am more than these weird fucking <laughs> frustrations in my life yeah. <laughs> you know, that's funny man just the other day i i spoke my wife she doesn't partake in psychedelics she has a little bit here and there but not so much yeah um and i, I hear that session. strongly yeah what's that <laughs> i hear that strongly the same with my partner <laughs> yeah that's cool yeah. man well it, as long as you're being support they're being supportive or vice versa i think that's the biggest part the exactly. biggest aspect that what matters the most but i have this um at this journey about two weeks ago and um I did it here at home. Um, it was psilocybin. And I got to a point where I was like, okay, I know that I have to go lay down because I'm about to just leave my body. Yeah. And I had this experience. Um, <clears throat> it was about four hours straight of being in this different place. And yeah. I could not communicate how I felt about this place, like what it felt like to me. And my wife, she is of the Christian faith. Um, I mean, she's not like a strict or devout Christian, but she believes in Jesus Christ and all, you know, the whole story and all that or whatever you want to call it. But the only word I can relate it to to her was heaven, you Mm -hmm. know, and I was like, I'm not saying in heaven as in how. But for me, like the way you think about heaven to me, that's how I think about this place that I went to. Like, yeah, I like you were, yeah, it. exactly. Yeah, and it was ah. just, I mean, I could feel everything that was there and everything was aware of me and aware of itself. And I was like, what the fuck? I remember yeah. coming back into my body, curled up on my bed and giggling like a little kid, you know? And I'm just like, oh, this feels so weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was like the best feeling ever, you know? And um, the experiences like that are just... 
They're invaluable, man. They really yeah. are. Yeah, I actually, I had a, um, recently I had a, a 5-MEO DMT experience, um, which I had been waiting to do, I think about six years, seven years or something, like since my first DMT breakthrough. Um, was it synthetic or was it um, actual? It, was, um, it, it wasn't from the toad. It was um, okay. it was a pure compound, which mm-hmm. I, I'm i more of a proponent of just because of like sustainability concerns and yeah, stuff like that with the course. Colorado River toad. Yeah. But like the, there are some like people who keep them as pets and stuff like that. And I think there can be probably sustainable ways to do it. I just don't like like I studied sustainability. So it was really hard for me to like willingly put my mind into doing that. Plus there's a shitload of toxins and stuff in it. Eventually. I mean, there's things like the fungus is a whole different thing, right? I can, I can sustainably maintain a relationship with the fungus, but some of these other things, like even the bark that people use from the mimosa hostilis tree, like that, that's finite, you know? Exactly. So for me, I'm, whatever it takes, man. Exactly. And it's like, at least you can get the, like the exact amount of the compound too. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like with the, with the poison, it's, it's a slightly different percentage in the thing. Every time you have to smoke it and burn off the stuff. And then in that smoke did enough absorb in your lungs that you actually can get to the level of experience that is apparently in that weight. So it's not replicable per milligram kind of thing. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with extracting from bark. You know, there's certain yeah. levels where there's a bunch of other different alkaloids or plant fats or whatever you want to call them. Exactly. Along with the NNDMT. But a exactly. lot of people also kind of, you know, that those alkaloids and fats or whatever are also part of the experience. Some people believe, believe that too, but it's just like having that pure, clear white DMT as opposed to that orange ass gooey shit and then also yeah. like synthetic form like th- those are all i mean i don't know i've never had a synthetic form of any of these substances but i would like to know if there is a difference you know yeah. what i mean and i feel like like if you were to take the toad medicine and you were to actually like extract the dmt from it so that you had like a dose that you could weigh out, it would be the exact same experience 100% as 5-MeO. And even in terms of like the ultimate, especially with 5-MeO, like the experience that you have is like the non-dual experience, like the depth of the thing. It's interesting because it's like, it's truly nothing. Like, like at the, at the deepest sense of that, like there is no narrative, there's no stories. It's like, like, again, like this Omega point thing, it is the before and after all stories. It's like the before and after of your life, the before and after of the universe or the big bang or whatever. Like it feels, I've heard other people use the terminology of like a slingshot into the heart of God. That's, that's almost identical what it is. Um, And there's this, like, I, I always go back to, scripture quotes because they're perfect for a lot of the stuff like jesus said to enter the kingdom of heaven you need to be able to like enter through the eye of a needle kind of thing um your heart must be able to enter through the eye of a needle and in that experience a lot of people like it's a very intense energetic experience and for a lot of people even in the in the session that i was in a lot of people had different levels of difficulty surrendering. Um, I was able to just completely the whole time, like relax, go inward, not really move. And then start heavily laughing and giggling to myself. Cause exactly what you say, it's being in heaven or whatever, but it's like to get in there, you have to, it, it's like, you have to lay everything down at the feet of God or whatever. And then you go into the place that is before and after the universe and before and after every moment of time, it is the in-between of every real. Um, so that was that, yeah, it was very, very, um, 
fascinating experience. Uh, but yeah, really related to what you said with your <laughs> recent mushroom journey. <laughs> well, you know, I for me uh, and and the people that that know me and the people that um, are interested in stuff like this, I always tell them the same thing. Like when I go into these sessions, I this is like the closest thing I could relate it to is, but is just be prepared to die, you know, yeah. to no longer be what you think you are and just yeah. completely just go to nothing. That's very scary for some people. And to be able to simultaneously tell yourself that that's okay. That's okay. In the experience <laughs> yeah. of dying. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's a hard, that's a hard bargain for oh, yeah, <laughs> most <is> people. <laughs> Damn dude. That sounds pretty fucking amazing, man. Um, Dang. So you're out there in Canada. Now you guys is, uh, you guys have had legal cannabis up there. Um, how long, how long has it, has that been up there? In, in I think it was Canada? like October 13th or 19th, 2018 is when it was legal. So two years now. Um, but like, it's, it's interesting. Like, cause I'm in like Vancouver kind of side of things and like, it's, it's great that it's legal and more people can access it and stuff like that, especially like in the middle of the province and in, in Quebec and some of these places, it's good that like the legality and stuff has shifted, but it's really like on the, on the West coast, like, especially for a while, like the first two years, um, first year and a half, especially like it was a lot of garbage. It was a lot of corporate takeover. It was a lot of, um, like almost silencing the activists so that people um, with a lot of money who can afford a license, previous people who are in the RCMP, previous uh, like judges and stuff like that are, are the ones owning these companies. So it's, it's, it's like neo-colonization to a degree, but is beneficial for the body of Canadians, but it, there still needs, it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting, man. Yeah. Well, let, me, let me ask you something. Could, I'm really interested. I live in a state where we just legalized cannabis, right? And I've I've been having conversations with some of these people that work in the industry too, Mm -hmm. because I myself am thinking about getting an industry in some facet or other, because (laughs) um, it's an industry from the ground up and it's still local. Um, But like how do people in Canada, are you guys able to grow your own plants as well? Yeah. So like in Canada, they made a, um, if you don't have a medical marijuana license, which is not associated to the legalized recreational cannabis, okay. we've had a medical program for 20 years, something like uh-huh. that. Um, so if, if you don't have that, you're allowed to grow four plants as long as like your landlord allows it, or you didn't sign a piece of paper that forbids you. Uh, I really hope that they change that soon. They've changed the law, at least in Vancouver with like allowing pets in your apartment. So hopefully they'll allow people to grow their own medicine too. Cause that, makes sense covid all this shit um so yeah we're allowed four to a height of 100 centimeters what but it's like who who has the ability to come and check my it's <laughs> like yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. as soon as this goes into a policy and it's still oh, associated yeah. in their minds to yeah. drugs um they do everything in the language to make yeah. it still not the you know what i mean like it's well it, to be it's honest, until the, the language of decriminalization really comes yeah. through in a mainstream yeah. way i think it's going to be really difficult to disassociate at least in the, in the mainstream view of things. I mean, I I could understand. And this is what something that people brought up was as soon as it goes completely legal, then you got big corporations and people with a lot of money to want to get in. And yeah. I mean, I even know <clears throat> I'm here in, in, in this state in Arizona where I'm at. And I've even had people who are willing to um, invest tens of millions of dollars into like a dispensary or some kind of a grow up. And these yeah. people are from like different countries, oh, China, shit. like different places where you're just like, what? Like for real? 
But for me, the one thing that I'm constantly advocating for is learn to grow your own shit. Have your fucking relationship with your own plant. I mean, it's a very magical and therapeutical therapeutic process. It really is. I mean, I, I, um, I've had the pleasure uh, to, to be able to have those, um, to be able to cultivate, um, plants in my own home and had that relationship and there's nothing like it. The more people get into it. And obviously I understand some people are not going to have the means or not going to be able to have that luxury themselves, but you will know somebody. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or at least someone who like has the ability that you can be like, come on, man. It's a plan. Grow it. Yeah. (laughs) Look, I'm going to tell you this right now. Yes. This is on fucking record. All right. (laughs) When I was cultivating shit, dude, I was giving so much away. I mean, so much. It was people would be like, what the fuck? Because it it helps to have more of this in the community. So fucking take it and eat it. Put a smile. Exactly. Exactly. That that to me, that's where I come from in all of this. Because in, in, in the end, Look, I want to work in the industry because I don't want to work in the industry that I work with now. I'm not going to want to work in the industry because I want to make money and become rich. No, but I want to be able to pay my fucking bills just like in anywhere else. Exactly. But the biggest thing is just being that proponent of people getting their hands dirty and putting and getting busy with it and having those relationships. It's very important, man. It really exactly. is. You stop relying on those big corporations. Let them Absolutely. fight for that fucking land. Let them fight for that big grow up. But you continue to teach people. Give yeah. them that knowledge of how do you cultivate these plants. It's priceless, man. You know, teach yeah. them how to fish, right? And to be able to do it, like like you say, even just with what you're doing with the podcast and stuff, to be able to get into like your community, right? Yeah. Rather than like, going to take over all the states. We're going to have the biggest, because that's like in, in Canada, just to go yeah. back to our example, we've had, we've had companies do that. We've had Aurora, <laughs> yeah. we've had Canopy, we've had um, millions of square feet grow up greenhouses that are garbage <laughs> that, the like the first medical shipment that uh, Aurora sends to Germany, um, they haven't had medical cannabis ever. They get a shipment from Aurora, and we're told that their cannabis was not fit for human consumption. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have as a like a what's the word that I'm as like the reputation in BC of BC bud and exactly, all this stuff yeah. to see a corporation, yeah destroy the Jeez. economy around medical cannabis yeah. Yeah. that it can't even be had by people Fuck. like and and that's what i find so like at least what's happening in in now in bc and i think other parts of the province it sucks that it's taking this long but they're doing um like craft cannabis uh yeah like, like small microgrows <clears throat> and one thing i'm interested in, and if you're gonna get into the industry this might be one thing that's interesting and look interesting and interesting but it, it, it's worth looking into um, like the idea of uh, co-op grows that like multiple growers oh, like yeah. rent out a similar site yeah. um, or even like if you do micro grow kind of things just yeah to be able to collaborate and make like a, a brand as a collective um, beyond that. I don't know what your laws are there, but one thing that I've thought about while I was working in this industry for so long, and to me, it's the peak form of what cannabis could get to is um, I don't know if like these probably are also down in Arizona, but like a community supported agriculture where like you buy a share of like a local small farm and you get like a box of produce every week. So if you like, let's say you, 
and your community, people know that your heart is in it to actually grow the best medicine possible for people. You're not cutting corners. You're not putting in pesticides. You're not irradiating it like they do in Canada and destroying like the biological life of the living fucking plant that you're making. Um, and people know that if they know that yours is good to help with their ailment and you're already supporting your community and doing some of this stuff where you're able to give stuff away for free, like that to me is the best model where you can have almost like a, a almost like think of like breweries right now where you can go sit down, have a tasting, you see the, see your facility, but also that you can buy a stock that you would be able to get a quarter every week and maybe a little bit of perfectly uh, extracted oil and a few of your very special vape carts that you only make X number amount a week, right? Like that to me is really where this needs to get to. I, I, I think that's a good um, plan in terms of being in the industry. But for me, to be honest with you, I would like to do that and teach people as I do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I don't, I know, I don't only do this here with the DMT World podcast, but I also have some youtube channels like i've got my own youtube channel i've got a few other ones coming nice soon and that's basically all it is is this is how i grow my weed or this is how i grow whatever yeah. the case may be and it can be you can easily do this at home you know what i mean that that's a good starting point because i think ultimately a lot of people believe that the can legalization of cannabis is going to kill the the legal market black yeah. market is going to go up but i think where you can combat that is by putting the knowledge in in the people's yes. hands and just showing yes. them like hey you don't have to rely on anybody else but yourself and the knowledge that you learn in the time that you put in to exactly this and it's your medicine you know and often like when there is the corporate side of legalization prices like prices get crazy and i guess in some states prices are probably already crazy because yeah. of supply and demand black market but yeah, yeah to be able to like you say that you have enough when you grow a little bit yourself that you can just Fuck give yeah. away stuff <laughs> like it's not yeah. even about and that's what's so cool with canada and having the four plants it's like technically black market cannabis is still illegal but you're allowed to grow and you're allowed to gift it exactly so it's like you're allowed to now use it as presents for people, maybe as a bartering tool, maybe you want to get a massage from someone you're like, like, maybe you want to get food for it. Like this is a way to have, I don't want to say black market, but an underground economy that is actually legitimate because it's been somewhat legitimized. You just have to make sure that it's not. Yeah. Like you put it in the hands of the people to do it for themselves. It's yeah. already <laughs> happening regardless. It's just illegal. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's the fact of the matter. All the communities that I'm part of, I mean, look, we don't, obviously we don't promote sourcing and we don't fucking tell people shit. Right. I mean, but you know what the shit you do behind, uh, behind closed doors on your own, own, like that's your own fucking business. Yeah, man. That's what you decide to do. And so be it. You know what I mean? That's what it is. And people, do it no matter exactly what. and it's so crazy to me that it's like <laughs> like if you look at farmers in general right like no farmers are illegal you look at people making corn you look at people making wheat corn makes vodka a big yeah. percentage of this stuff goes into high fructose corn syrup that's yeah. killing people a big percentage of wheat goes into making rye which is a huge drug why is it that a farmer for something like hemp or cannabis can, that can be both land like land remediative but also a beneficial thing for fuel and the human body like even the farmers of the thing and the producers of the thing and the people who make products, like all of this stuff is illegitimate. And it's like, these are just people too <laughs> in our communities that we're incarcerating yeah. well, because also, of a plant. <laughs> but it's also something that we agreed upon at one point or another, not maybe not us here now, 
but the hum- humans here in, in the country or the nation or the globe, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. we agreed to it one day, you know, we can all change our minds as a whole too. Exactly. You know, I, I think that the more knowledge is spread, the less we depend on, on, on these corporations and, 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 you know, all these other commercial companies or organizations, whatever you want to call them. And I know there's, we're, we're going to need some, obviously, you know, I can't build my fucking, I can't build a fucking car or TV or some shit, you know, but <laughs> when it comes to what I consume, like uh, food, vegetables, fruits, you know, I can have my hand in that as much as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But bringing it home to the local instead of Fuck, putting yeah. our power in like the government sniffle, almost like we need to grow up almost as a society into realizing that we can actually take care of ourselves in all of these ways and we'll be all the better for it. Better quality, less frustration about the man or whatever. Well, <laughs> like, it's happening, man. It's happening. Yeah, I mean, we're here, we're having these conversations. You're doing your thing, you know, and uh, I mean, I, fuck, I'm having a great conversation with you right now. You know, I, I really enjoy this. Um, I wouldn't mind coming on to the, the reincarnation podcast yeah, man. too, man. That'd be great. And share my story, dude. I've yet to, I did one uh, like last year or something like that, but it was real brief and I've yet to actually put out an entirety of, you know, how I got to where I'm at now. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I went over it recently cause I was going to do a talk about it and, um, it's a pretty wild story, man. Pretty wild. Yeah, story. Yeah, man. I definitely, I got to get you on. That'll be a good part two of this conversation, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. man. And, uh, if anybody's listening, feel free to check it out. It's called the reincarnation podcast. Do you have any other things, uh, any website or anything else uh, you can be contacted at? Yeah. Like I'm on Instagram, uh, just reincarnation, but with a second N at the end. And again, it's my name. So it's R I A N not R E I N carnation. Um, and then that, uh, like the volunteering app that I'm making, uh, the community building app is here to help like the letter or the number two here to help app.com. Um, yeah, if you're interested in that, there's like a video on the site that explains more of the context of that project, but, uh, yeah, that's the main things I'm up to these days. Well, we'll definitely put um, links in the description. Anything you want to share, just feel free to send them over to me. Um, is there anything you want to say before uh, in this conversation here? I feel like we covered a good amount of it. I feel like the biggest lesson that I've gotten from all of this stuff and like what we've mentioned on the show is like tend to the part of the garden that you can touch. Like it's, it's you don't need to keep accumulating more and more experiences and stuff. It's like find the thing that you're passionate about and just start working towards it in your community in the way that you can. Um, yeah, I feel like that's, that's all there is. <laughs> Beautiful man. Well said. Well said. Well, man, thanks for coming on again. I appreciate your time and hopefully I'll be able to uh, be a guest on your podcast. One of these yeah, days. man, absolutely. It was great connecting and thanks for the awesome conversation. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> all right, man. Thank you. Excellent. Take it easy. Thanks, man. I know people who say DMT is their most favorite drug. It only lasted four minutes. They're still processing. It's a kind of unwillingness to go it alone. It's 
kind of unwillingness to go it alone. It's a kind of unwillingness to go it alone.